This is The Soul's Intent with author, psychologist, and spiritual teacher, Ernie Vecchio. The Soul's Intent is a show that boldly claims that it can help reveal where you are on the spiritual path. Learn how there is a physical place of love, truth, and freedom. Listen, and in an instant, learn that moving to such a place is actually a choice. This is The Soul's Intent, and now here's your host, Ernie Vecchio. The main thing where my mind was going is um, where does wisdom come from? How do we gain it? Um, and so I just started, you know, jotting down some notes for myself, reflecting back on my life and also reflecting back on things that I've learned through the teachings of the soul's intent. Um, yeah. So the first thing that came up for me is wisdom is gained and comes from hindsight, insight and foresight. Yeah. 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 So I thought since I learned that from you, maybe you could uh, talk a little bit about what that is yeah. and how you would gain wisdom. From yeah. Unfortunately, uh, the culture kind of learns uh, life through hindsight, you know, and of course we say hindsight's 2020. So we kind of stop there because 2020 is perfect vision. Right. Uh, and, and if you stop at hindsight, you never make it to insight and you certainly don't get to foresight. So uh, so they are kind of developmental stages of clarity, really, uh, or as they would say in the consciousness movement, it's higher states of consciousness or it's uh, doorways or stages into different forms of enlightenment. But uh, when people ask me about wisdom, you know, I and I certainly do this all the time when I when I'm with clients, I ask them if they feel like they have any wisdom dependent upon their their chronological age. And, mm. and invariably they say that they have some. And when I ask them where they get it, you know, they always come back to pain, uh, you know, uh, a, you know, a past traumatic experience or just something that was hurtful that they learned from. And so I think that that uh, and, and certainly the soul's intent and in, in what I'm trying to get people to understand is, is that in, in a spiritual sense, we um, we uh, have a, uh, a self-corrective kind of um, component in this business of being spiritual. And by that, I mean that, uh, that if the soul is the above observer and the human spirit's role is provocator, which is to motivate us uh, or to motivate the ego to take action or to make some change, then um, uh, what is the change? And, and, and of course, the change for the human ego is for, the, for it to be present with itself and present in its life. And and so uh, and so that's the first kind of experience with wisdom. That's the wisdom people talk about, Irma. That's what you typically hear. I've learned from my mistakes. Uh, you know, I've, I've got bumps and bruises and which is kind of a hindsight 2020. Uh, if, they, if they have an insight, it's a different. They talk about it differently. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. And I, as I was thinking about hindsight, insight and foresight, it's kind of like. Um, they are kind of a see, uh, they, they come in an order. So um, how you gain insight is through hindsight, being able to look back and reflect and say, well, what did I learn from um, that mistake? Or, or what did I learn from? Yeah. And so that gains you insight and then insight gains you foresight. So that they, they really are um, kind of in an order. They should be in an order. Um, yeah, a lot of people, uh, I first of all, I want to say, hey, to Brenda, thanks for tuning in, Brenda. Uh, uh, it's kind of cool to be able to see people's names. Yeah. As they show up. Yeah, um, yeah what, what I want to say about insight is, is that uh, that's typically when people have a light bulb go off. That's the epiphany. 
uh, and people write books about their insights, you know, which is kind of where I started. Uh, uh, so you can certainly write books that's based on hindsight being 2020, but the, the, the idea and what I want people to, to kind of see in their mind is image where your the, the posture, your body has to be in to live your life that hindsight's 2020. And, and really it's looking over your shoulder, looking back. Yeah. That's, that's the physical posture of the head to be looking behind you. And so the problem with that is, is that you have to have your eyes forward you know, to be able to see where you're going in life. And if you're living with hindsight's 2020, then you're really kind of blind to the present moment and you're blind to the future and what's in front of you. And so, so it's a therapeutic uh, uh, practice to go in, of course, to find insight, but then look forward when you come back out to see how do I now apply that insight? You don't look over your shoulder at the past. How do I apply it? Because that's already happened, you see. Right. Yeah. So, so, um, and, 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 and of course I'm excited about wisdom. I'm excited about the idea that this is a lost, uh, a lost discussion in our culture. You know, philosophy, uh, you, you know, comes from the Greek, like I said, in the, in the show description tonight comes from the Greek, uh, the love of wisdom. And, uh, we've lost the, the love of wisdom in this culture and where wisdom comes from. And, uh, and, and, and especially as it applies to the human experience and the human condition. Uh, and so I've said, you know, I've said to you off the air many times that what, what the soul's intent is attempting to do as a philosophy, as a, as a context to look at the human experience uh, is I'm putting the spirit back in spiritual. I'm putting the soul back in psychology and I'm trying to encourage people to love wisdom again. Because somewhere in that in that mix is integrity. Somewhere in that mix is something that's valid and reliable. And we're a little bit off off center on some of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if that was a question that just popped up. I couldn't see the the end of it. I uh, was talking to a friend who has heard you speak at Unity one day. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. I, I do speak at Unity once in a while. It's been a while since I spoke. I think last July was the last time I spoke there, yeah. And I can't see everybody. Yeah, okay. The comments are kind of uh, in an order. So, yeah. So, I guess the last person that types is the one that pops up. So, yeah. But I can't see I can't see the Facebook page. So, I have yeah. no idea how this looks on Facebook, but that's cool. So, anyway, um, what yeah, are the directions? Well, a couple things came up when when you were talking um, in regards to wisdom and how do we gain it? Where does it come from? I think in order to to gain wisdom, there's two things very specifically that stand out to me. You have to have an open mind and an open heart um, Mm. to gain wisdom. If you're kind of closed off to people and to life, um, you're not going to gain a whole lot of wisdom. So that's one thing that came up. Another thing that came up is um, an experience we had the other day, and and I won't mention what that is, but the fact that um, the younger generations uh, seems to have lost respect in understanding that their elders have wisdom that they could really gain if they were open to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) We live in a culture that doesn't really respect uh, 
senior wisdom at that at that level. That's very true. Um, um, yeah, it's um, the 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 point in in and of course the the teaching of the soul's intent, or in uh, in the context of the of intentional and guided evolution, or gifted compassionate therapy. These are the umbrellas of the stuff that I am teaching. That um, that all of us are in search for uh, a context that works for us in our lives, and uh, and and so what I am trying to get across to people is, is that we have to have kind of a generic context first before we can incorporate anything else. We have to have clarity and precision in what we call certain things and how we talk about certain things. And, uh, and this is one of the missing pieces. And, you know, I've talked about it many times off the air. This is one of the missing pieces, I think, in the spiritual movement across the country because it's merged with empowerment and enlightenment. Uh, and we still have the religious uh, kind of undertones that are kind of contaminating some of the interpretation of the human experience. Uh, regardless of belief systems and regardless of religious background and religious teachings. Well, so what this work that I'm doing and, and what it is that I'm trying to get across, it marries all those really quite comfortably and quite well. And, and uh, but, but we do have a language problem and how we talk about uh, the path to wisdom, the path to the truth. And, and in this case, I'm not even talking about truth as information as much as truth as a place. And, uh, and I talk about love and truth and freedom being a physical dimension, which is really uh, the other side of ego, beyond ego. And, uh, and we have to have a way to talk about this so people can wrap their heads around. And that's a little bit of the problem, you see. And, uh, yeah. and so, so, but in that, in all of that is this underlying kind of, um, this underlying kind of absolute that we are supposed to use the adversity of our lives to suffer ourselves awake, not to suffer ourselves into spinning into the victimization of just plain old suffering, right? right. And so what, what, we, what, what teachers across the country tend to say is, well, if you can be present and be in your life in the moment and be in the now, you don't have to suffer anymore. But the, what they really mean is you don't have to be a victim anymore. You're still going to suffer. Why? Because you're dealing with a divided self in this culture at some level, which is experiencing guilt and shame. And you're also dealing with a sensation of being separate from the source at some level. And one has to be fixed before you can fix the other. And uh, one is kind of healed. And then the other one uh, is kind of transcended or uh, uh, transformed in some way. And so, yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it does. It does. And there really does need to be um, an understanding of that. If you do want to gain wisdom in your life, if you are feeling like a victim in your life, there has to be the understanding of what you just said, because otherwise you're not going to understand why you might be feeling a sense of apathy or, or why you might be experiencing anxiety and depression. There's so many things um, yep. that yep. go with the divided self and with that suffering. And I think just knowing that um, allowing yourself to suffer is moving you towards a, a catharsis. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I yeah. One, one of the things that came through the uh, the uh, trauma population when I was working with them, and again, this was thousands of people. One of the things that came through 
consistently is, is that people define compassion as suffering for themselves or another human being. And, uh, and of course, we know that it means to suffer with another human being and with oneself. What we never stop and consider is, is that if compassion or suffering with oneself is, is, uh, is a form of love and empathy and sympathy with another person, that it's also a form of love with oneself. And so compassion uh, really comes from suffering with oneself. And so that means that compassion or sitting with the suffering is an act of self-love simply because you're not in your head judging the suffering yeah. mm-hmm. or judging the events that cause the suffering. Mm-hmm. And my experience with it personally and professionally is, is that if you sit with any suffering long enough, something else comes through. Mm-hmm. And, and, what's, and what's profound about that and what people need to understand is the experts say we think 60,000 thoughts a day, which 98% is the same stuff we thought the day before. So we don't have a lot of new thought happening. Well, when you suffer with yourself, new thoughts happen. New things come through. And that's an important thing to get. And so that's the benefit uh, of the suffering. Um, so it isn't about how do I eliminate it, it's no different than if somebody comes to me and says they're grieving, you know, and they don't want to grieve anymore. Well, you can want that and you can desire that, but you have to move through that. You know, it isn't, you don't knock it out just by saying, I don't want to do it. Uh, and so, and so the, the implication on grief is that it's a process. Well, the human condition uh, is we move from, from a, uh, a spiritual being into a psychological existence. Uh, and then to the divided self and then back to spiritual being. <laughs> and so it's a full circle dynamic. That's a process. Yeah. It's not going to happen in a hop, skip and a jump. It's not going to happen in a minute. And it's and it's even developmental. I mean, there's a developmental uh, you know, stages one has to go through to get to get to that. So the beauty of the work I'm doing is I really have a context that kind of meets people where they are uh, in 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 this this experience of what it means to be a human being. And um, yeah, so it's, uh, which, which helps give some clarity to the why of the suffering. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, in our society, um, it's kind well, not kind of, it's very easy to reach for something to ease your suffering and you're kind of then, um, Stopping your your growth and your movement into gaining wisdom every time you reach out to something to stop your suffering, and so it's it's really not something that I think we're familiar with to allow ourselves to just be with it, be with yeah, our yeah. suffering. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think and I think because we've got it merged with victimization, and they're not the same thing. Mm-hmm. The victimization is something that has happened to you either by circumstance or chance or whatever. Uh, being a human being is not a, not a circumstance or a victimization. You see what I mean? And this is where religion kind of comes into play with some of this, because in, you know, based upon religion, at least in Western culture, this is a failed experiment. And so in that context, we would be a mistake. Uh, or we would be making mistakes. And so the implication is there's a right and a wrong way to be. And, uh, and so that's a little bit of the problem. Um, the reason that I decided to, uh, to teach the, uh, the psycho-spiritual 
uh, context that was being presented to me is I is that in the hospital, I was coming across every religion on the planet and uh, and pretty much every culture and 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 all of the and, and as I said, both genders uh, and many different age groups of folks that were really in a spiritual crisis and their their organized religion, their ministers or pastors or rabbis were leaving them. They were coming up empty on how to comfort these folks. So there was no um, that that kind of amazed me and surprised me at the time. So I so I thought, you know, I've got to come up with a way to talk about this that doesn't tread on people's belief systems, but yet still kind of answers their spiritual questions. And uh, and, and which is, of course, what I've done. Yeah. 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 So many things came up with um, this idea of how do how do we gain wisdom? Um, one of them was that knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. And and for me, really, that's something I really pay attention to because I I, I don't think I can truly um, absorb something into my being unless I have the experience of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a major thing for me. That's a major way that I gain wisdom is is through experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, the the interesting part about uh, this business of, uh, of, of experiences, you, you ask a lot of people to define maturity and they will tell you that it's, you know, it's kind of acting your age or being responsible, taking care of things that you're supposed to be taking care of. Uh, but if you ask them to define depth, many of them kind of get stuck on that. Mm-hmm. So we get the implication that maturity is, is being responsible and learning from experiences about the responsibilities but depth is learning very specifically from painful experiences. Mm, mm, uh, depth, yeah, which is so. So it's not a coincidence that that depth is just by word alone is deeper than maturity. It's a deeper level of maturity to mm. have depth, and um, and you and you kind of have to go after that. Yeah, and you have to cultivate that. And again, that's the benefit of suffering. That's the worth of suffering. That that it gives you some some material to cultivate, to turn over, you know, to work in the dirt, to work in the soil, so to speak, of, of the suffering so that something else comes through. And uh, yeah. And so depth is a uh, is a con- is, is kind of a conscious choice to to cultivate depth in oneself where mm-hmm. maturity just kind of happens to you by happenstance. You know, it's just. Right. Yes. Yeah. And so and you may or may not mature. And of course, in in spiritual work or in or just in the human experience in general, I should say that uh, the implication is, is that it is your inside world, which is the depth of you. Is it aligned with your chronological age? <laughs> and and I can tell you that for most of us, it's not. You see, most of us are behind our developmental work internally. Uh, and this is one of the things that trauma really, really, uh, really shows us is, is that when we get traumatized, it shows us exactly where we are in our own development uh, internally, because it because depending upon how we cope with the adversity and the trauma has everything to do with how far we've gone inside before it happens. You see. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so so other words our personal and emotional adjustment is kind of magnified and revealed in a trauma. Uh, and if we're not too well held together, if we're not too stable, if we're very distorted about ourselves and our place in the world, all these different kinds of things, those things are magnified with trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and of course, now 
we know this in the culture as PTSD. Mm-hmm. People don't realize the post-traumatic stress disorder is, uh, in terms of its severity, is largely contingent on where somebody was before the trauma happened. Mm-hmm. It isn't just the trauma itself. And when I say where they were, I mean inside where they were. Mm-hmm. Not, not necessarily in the outside world, but inside where they were. That determines how well they're going to be able to handle whatever their their PTSD is associated with. So, yeah, so mm-hmm. there, is, there, there is a relationship there. Yeah, yeah. And there has to be um, a willingness to allow yourself to go through that pain and kind of be with the pain that life can bring. There has to be a willingness to do that. Um, not a resistance to it. And that willingness is, is what creates the um, depth that you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, cultivation in general of one's inner life, which is the, which is the driving force behind why I'm doing this work, is, is that uh, you know, I've been witnessing and watching the culture change uh, since I've been paying attention to it. And that's been at least 40 years. Um, and so as, if, as I look at the past 30 years of what's happened in the culture and what, and what changes have taken place, We've we've moved away from uh, the importance of having some internal connection to ourselves. We're so external in how we and how we deal with the world around us and and how we attempt to grow ourselves and grow our lives. We're so out here with it all that we've lost the connection with our inner lives. And that's a and that's a mistake. Uh, it's a mistake for lots of reasons. But uh, uh, but you can see it in the news and in the paper every day that this disconnect is there. So so one of the the underlying core uh purposes for me doing the soul's intent and for me coming on here and doing live presentations and you know doing what I'm doing around the country is, is that I, I want to uh, give the soul station in people's lives uh, this intelligence that is, that is kind of orchestrating you to see what it is you need to see, put you in touch with the feeling self uh, rather than the emotional self because the emotional self is off and the ego is spinning in a story where the feeling self is really here in this immediate moment and attempting to try to sort things out and, uh, and, and reinstall the heart as the true compass because the ego, the ego is not it. Right. And so, yeah. And, and that all sounds easy and simple and even commonsensical. Uh, and, it, and, and, but we're not doing it. It's a culture. It's not happening. Uh, it's uh, and if it is happening, it's happening in a very small, in a very small kind of way. As you and I were talking the other day, um, people are on, on this business of insight, hindsight, and uh, foresight. Is is that people are really right now focused on monetizing their insights? Yeah. And uh, and and I don't. And there's not a whole lot of catharsis uh, around an epiphany. <laughs> because remember, all an epiphany is, is is that a minute ago you were in the dark and now the lights come on. Mm-hmm. That's all an epiphany is. And you see what you see in that moment of clarity. A catharsis is a physical transformation that when you go to bed on Monday and you get up on Tuesday, the old you is gone. It cannot return. It will never come back. It's a it's a transformation that is uh, that only suffering can make happen, mm-hmm. not victimization. Suffering, which yeah, is yeah. sitting sitting with your own humility, your own gratitude for life as it is, 
and and allowed whatever else is going to happen to come through. And yeah. so it's it's really that dimension of compassion and mercy that we don't know how to do. And that's really it. I mean, if there's anything that my work does is teach people how to suffer. Where you have a lot of spiritual teachers that are telling you that if you follow this particular path, you don't have to suffer anymore. And I, that's a myth. And it doesn't it doesn't fit the uh, the human condition or the truth about the human condition. It may fit some philosophical or religious doctrine, but it doesn't fit the human experience, uh, or at least the human experience that I've witnessed in the past 40 years. And so and so the other piece that, that is important to get about that, that. I didn't come up with this because this is my opinion. Uh, you guys taught me this. And when I say you guys, I mean the thousands of you that I have treated that have had your legs amputated, your spinal cords ripped out. You, you have had severe strokes and head injury and blind and deaf. You taught me this. And so what I want the audience to hear is, is that this is coming from us to us about us. Mm -hmm. this business of a psycho-spiritual understanding of what it means to be here. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. <laughs> it's a big deal. It's a lot to take in. And so, and so I, I really want folks is, is they're listening to these podcasts or these, uh, these videos uh, to generate some questions for me to answer, because that's what makes us fun. And that, and that engages you in the process. And if you have any questions now, even if there's anybody listening still uh, feel free to ask them. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So what else, Irma? Well, now that you've said, sounds like a feedback. Um, hmm. Yeah, I was noticing that too. Just ignore it. It, it kind of comes and goes. Yeah, the feedback comes and goes. Yeah. Well, but you mentioned um, questions. I, questioning um, is another thing that how we gain wisdom is through questioning. Mm -hmm. And um, what I think is so important about um, you and your teaching is that um, you're kind of like a mirror and you're open to to people asking questions from from that observer self, from the soul, from the heart. There is no um, right or wrong question. Yes. And so to open up, um, yes, you're the teacher and, and yes, you're sharing teachings based on, on what you witness, but you're also this mirror that is there open so that we can dialogue from um, that, that higher place of the soul as observer. So there is no right or wrong question. There's yeah, allowing ourselves to be in the question. Yeah, yeah and, and I think that that's an important uh, piece that you were making there is, is that another path to wisdom is to raise your hand and, mm -hmm. and say, well, what about this and what about that and why this and why that? And this is, again, that's been this has been something in the culture that's kind of been um, uh, kind of suppressed. You know, uh, God said it, that's it, enough said. I mean, there's no questions to ask. But some of these are God questions. God, in and in, by that I mean they're big questions. Why am I here? What's my purpose? Mm -hmm. What am I? Who am I? You know, right. where am I in my life? These are big questions. And uh, the beauty of this work and the beauty of what I've learned in working with trauma is I, I have answers for that. Uh, and, and they're and they're kind of specific and they're clear uh, and they're 
they're valid. And, and in many cases, it's a place to begin uh, to start a dialogue, to then have more dialogue. I mean, that's the point in this. The point in, in this is that how can you have, uh, I'm sure that a lot of the folks that are listening to this, that they will watch this, have got a philosophy of life. My basic feeling about that is if you can't stand on a corner and start attracting people because that philosophy just makes such wonderful, perfect sense, then you need to rethink your philosophy. <laughs> um, but we're all walking around with a philosophy of life. And you've got to reflect it at some point. You've got to bounce it off of somebody or something to see if that philosophy is valid and to see if it uh, is reliable across other genders and other belief systems. And I mean, this, and, and what I mean by that is, we all have wisdom that comes from our experience. We all have a subjective assessment of what we're going through. And in that is a moral, in that is value. I think I told you last week, week before last, I had a client that I met um, that um, I thought had been in a, a car accident because the case said that he had a TBI. Well, it wasn't a traumatic brain injury. It turns out he had a brain tumor. And that uh, resulted in him having to go into chemotherapy and he lost uh, the vision in his right eye. He was blind in his right eye and totally deaf in his right ear. And the whole right side of his face, maybe it was the left side now that I think of it, it as the left side of his face, was totally deformed, a lot like the Phantom of the Opera. Mm -hmm. And this man was so pleasant and so present, pleasant and present, Kind of interesting to say that together. Um, and so real that I wished I had more time to spend with him because I knew somewhere in his internal experience was wisdom that I would have liked to have had the privilege of tapping into. Uh, because I did, and, and, and even with all of the psychological testing that I did, the guy showed up to be relatively healthy and relatively stable where many of us, and, and he was pretty grotesque on the one side, many of us would be devastated by this man's life and this man's circumstances. And so, what, and he was an example of the thousands of people that I've treated, the thousands of people that I've worked with. I mean, I know that he's got something of value. I know he was in pain. I knew that he was struggling. And uh, how wonderful would it have been had I had a chance to, to get to know him better and get to know, more importantly, his inner life and how he was... Uh, doing his inner life so that he was able to move through this experience that he was in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the point being in that little tangent is, is that discussion, talking about it, asking questions, uh, this is it. This is, this is what's lacking now, I think in the culture in a way that's profound. Um, and so I'm hoping that that sets me apart because I want conversation. I want dialogue. Uh, I want questions. This is the point. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And for people to take the time to bother to do that. You know, that's, that's my, my version of church as, as I think a lot of people's version of church should be moments of reflection, introspection, contemplation, but you don't have to go to a church to do that. You can take a walk in the woods. You can take a, you know, you can, be sailing underneath the underneath the sky on a starlit night. I mean, whatever throws you back on yourself and puts you inside yourself is a is a church moment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, and so, what are you saying? What are you asking? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? 
what are you stuck on? You know, this is this is what uh, this is what this works about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. in that, of course, Irma is wisdom. Right. <laughs> in, yeah. And in that in that exercise of reflection and contemplation is wisdom. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know for myself where a, a lot of my questions come from is, um, oh, well, where they, they have come from is this feeling of, of um, at times, a lot more intense than others, uh, my life felt out of sync and what that meant to me. And that really was such a um, angst feeling for me. I had to start questioning because I couldn't stand the feeling anymore. It's like, why do I feel out of sync? Why do I feel off? Why does it feel like I'm kind of walking against life rather than, than with life? And so a, a lot of that would um, lead me into questioning and, and maybe reading a book or tapping into uh, uh, the wisdom of a teacher or even um, sitting in silence, sitting in meditation and allowing my that monkey mind, the busy mind to kind of settle mm -hmm. um, enough for a, a feeling to come through. And then what is that feeling and kind of just following it like a like a thread leading me or breadcrumbs leading me me forward into uh, yeah. any wisdom. Yeah. 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 And, and I think and I think we all have our practices. I think we all have our ways for that to happen. And uh, uh, and I think the point is, is, is for people to to value their subjective stories. I mean, uh, one, one of the things that's happening uh, again in the spiritual community in particular around the country is that you can transcend your story. Well, you know, from where I sit. Your story is very valuable. Just like I said about that gentleman who had the who had the 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 tumor, his story would have been very valuable to me uh, for me to spend time and hear his story and talk about his story because in that is deeper meaning and uh, and deeper uh, deeper understanding uh, and and for me another piece to the puzzle another you know, you, you say all the time that I've connected the dots. Well, for me, it's another opportunity to connect another dot to find continuity and what I know the soul's wisdom is and how we get guidance from the soul's wisdom. And uh, uh, we say in the culture, things happen for a reason. Well, it's it's what's in parentheses that it, it is most important about that incomplete thought is it's until we get the reason. But we're not going to get the reason until we ask questions, until we reflect on it and dialogue on it. Because if we just kind of stop it, well, you know, things happen for a reason. And it's like a it's like an open ended sentence or open ended thought that lacks closure. And I think your story is things happen for a reason. In fact, I came up with the phrase many years ago. My son used to laugh at me about it was uh, somebody would be telling their story, whatever it may be. And I would and 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 typically it was pretty dramatic or it sounded like, you know, a victim story. And my response was, well, you know, if you don't have a story, nothing happened. <laughs> and um, and I actually put that on a T-shirt. You know, if you don't have a story, nothing happened. Well, that's true. I mean, think about it. I mean, we're, life to me is meaningful just simply in the collection of stories, mm -hmm. particularly when you begin to see that they're related to the other stories. Right, right. 
And, uh, and that's what you're looking for is you're looking for threads of, uh, of ideas and thoughts and perceptions that bring clarity to how you're looking at all of this, the context of what it means to be a person or a human being. It isn't just how to be the best ego that you can be <laughs> and how much and how to make the best amount of money or, you know, or how to do that. It's also how do I cultivate an inner life that is somehow congruent with that. And my experience has been that the more congruency you have internally, the richer you are on the inside, the richer you are on the outside. And the, the, uh, but it doesn't necessarily match up in dollars and cents, you see, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because richness in this context is uh, vi it's vitality, it's enthusiasm, it's words like spontaneous, it's uh, love, it's all of those wonderful things we think about uh, when we don't have anything except mm -hmm. for just the experience of, of uh, gratitude and humility about our lives. And so that's that's hard for us to get in an ego driven culture. It's hard for us to get when we're trying to keep up with the Joneses or, or if we're in a survival mode all the time. It's hard for us to get that being humble and be and sitting in our humility and being grateful that these are wonderful moments of reflection. Uh, and but but they're necessary. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I wonder what um, why it can be so difficult for people to to ask questions and to open up um, dialogue with each other as if maybe we don't know everything yet. <laughs> and I think I think that's where wisdom comes from: admitting, well, I don't know everything. Like I wonder why this, and I wonder why that, and just that wondering and that curiosity. That that moves that has moved me towards wisdom. Yeah, yeah. Well, just being open in general, yeah, mm -hmm. rather than being closed, and yeah. uh, and it's different than being open-minded. It's also being open-hearted. Yes, yeah. You know, because uh, which is why it's most important for the for the heart to be reinstalled as the real true compass, because it's it's the heart that's going to pull us in the direction of truth and integrity and something that's substantive and something that's reliable and valid. The heart's going to do that. The ego is not going to know. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't do well in the navigation of this outside world at quite the level that the heart does. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but, but you have to understand, again, that the heart's more than just a pump, you know, that it's tied to a larger intelligence, which is the animating force that's orchestrating your life for you to see what it is you need to see. And that, that soul is connected to whatever your definition of God is. So it's a direct conduit to the intelligence of, of what it means to be here and to be in this experience. And so yeah, having an open heart is different than having just simply an open mind. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And of course the other piece of that too is, is that, um, the wisdom, I, I kind of think of the uh, uh, of a Buddhist story where a guy comes in to see the master and uh, he says, Master, I'll come and see you every day because I want to learn all that you know and I want to be as wise as you. And, and, and the teacher says, well, you're going to fail, my son. <laughs> and then he says, well, then I'll come in, you know, uh, I'll come in 
two or three days a week and I'll spend out of seven days, I'll come in three and a half days a week just to spend time with you so I can capture the wisdom that you have. He says, Don, he said, you're still going to absolutely fail. And the way the story goes is he finally just commits. Well, if I come in seven days a week and I spend time with you and can I not obtain the wisdom that you have? And he said, uh, he says, the, the only way you're going to get that is when your when your cup is not so full. You know, and he's pouring and, and, I, and I left out the punchline. He, he he's pouring him a cup of a, a cup of tea. And as the and as the cup runs over onto the onto the plate, he goes, uh, he says, oh, he says, my cup runneth over master. And he says, exactly. My son says, when your cup is not so full, come back and see me. Then maybe you'll learn something. And I think that this is the this is the problem. When you think about have you ever met somebody who wears that tin can around their head and and they collect ideas every time they get a new idea, it just kind of pings in the bottom of the can. And then they go out into the world. And they begin to talk as if the idea was theirs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we uh, I mean, we've all done that at some level. We've all done that in our lives. We've all worn the tin can of somebody else's ideas. Well, this is different. This business of opening yourself up to new new ideas, new thoughts, new perspectives, new context of which to see the human experience. Um, and uh, so it's a different you, you've got to let go of what you believe and what you think to be true to allow more information to come through. And a lot of people are afraid to do that. They're afraid it threatens it threatens their belief system or it threatens their their lives in some way. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. yeah, yeah. Something I just thought of, which is a really good example connected to, to what you were saying and um, just recently, um, I had an experience with you where I was I was sharing something um, and and feeling very uh, um, probably driven, which was very ego based. That I needed to speak my truth. And, <laughs> and I was, you know, yeah, so so determined. I had to speak my truth. I, you know, went through some times of speaking my truth, and. Um, <laughs> And because I was open in sharing that with you and having some experiences with you, you were able to to reflect back to me. Well, what if you just lived in your truth? Yeah. yeah. I can't tell you what a big shift that was for me. It's like, what I mean, it's like the weight of the world fell off my shoulders. Yeah, I said, wow. I said that, yeah, I said it's perfectly okay to uh, to speak your truth as long as you're standing in the truth while you're doing it. Yeah. yeah. And the idea that 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 in the in the in that dimension of love, truth and freedom, uh, there is supposedly no ego, no past tense ego that can cross over into that dimension of love, truth and freedom. Uh, Because if it if it were there, if ego were there, then love and truth and freedom would not be there, you see. So as you move into that dimension of uh, of truth, then you don't necessarily have to speak it. And you begin to find out that, uh, that what you're speaking anyway is, is kind of personal and typically tied to the ego's need to be heard or understood or whatever. Yeah. And we all kind of go through that. I mean, uh, but now, now that's my favorite line, speak my truth. I mean, I I like that now I use it. (laughs) I use it all the time. Now I've got to speak my truth. You know, (laughs) I talked to Irma about it. I'm going to speak my truth, but yeah, it's the, yeah. Which is probably different than the truth, right? Yeah. These are words. These are words in the culture, though. You see that that again are contaminated or confusing because uh, 
truth in spiritual work is not information. You know, yeah. uh, uh, it's a dimension. <laughs> uh, and and really so too is unconditional love. I mean, this is why we had difficulty describing what unconditional love is. I mean, we can easily say, well, it's love without conditions, but yeah, what's that? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and well, it's a place, love without conditions, because it certainly isn't where the ego resides, because the ego has all kinds of uh, conditions about if you love me, then you'll do such and such. And uh, so, yeah, so to to, to get precision on how we talk about some of these psycho-spiritual concerns that we have, and which is the whole context for why I'm doing this, which is to introduce people to a psycho-spiritual understanding of what it means to be a human being. And and the reason why I'm bothering to do this is, is that, like I said, I came out of the hospital in 2006 or seven uh, as the lead psychologist in a trauma hospital. And uh, I was blown away by the amount of people that, um, were calling themselves spiritual uh, and I wasn't getting the same definition. I wasn't getting the same context across anybody. It was so convoluted with religion and, and all the religious stuff that it really, that didn't really grasp the, what I just experienced in these 10,000 patients, you know? And so I thought, wow, somebody has got to talk about this in kind of a neutral way, uh, at least to the spiritual community. I mean, I mean, um, Folks that are really fundamentally religious are not gonna are not gonna hear me on any of this, which is fine. But uh, but I think people that are moving towards uh, a spiritual understanding of their lives and a spiritual understanding of their of their inner connection to self uh, will absolutely get this and understand it. And and they make up a, a bunch of people in the United States. You know, I think I told you the other day it's probably about twenty thirty percent of three hundred million people. So it's a bunch of people mm-hmm. um, that are are looking at this uh, with some need for clarity and context. Yeah. 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 So yeah, the, the need for um, whether it be religion or spirituality or wherever that need is coming from. I mean, that makes me think that when there's a need like that, you feel like there's something missing and I think what we don't recognize is what's missing is our connection to our own soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's well, a big keep mind, yeah. Keep in mind that, you know, we've been talking this particular show about the wisdom that comes from adversity and pain and suffering. Uh, we could, we could really condense that down even to one word that captures it best spiritually. And that's passion. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and there's passion that is tied to the, as you just said a minute ago, there's passion that is tied to this idea that something's lacking, mm-hmm. uh, which is one kind of angst. And then there's passion that is tied to longing mm-hmm. uh, and which is not something's lacking, but something's missing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you can see the difference. And so we, we live in a culture. And again, so when I say that it's not it's not a question of if we experience passion. It's how we experience it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so passion doesn't happen to us as human beings for us to spin in the lack that it makes us feel. Uh, in this case, if, if guilt is your demon, uh, the, the lack of the capacity to do anything right 
to constantly be in a state of there's a right and a wrong way to be. That's the lack that comes with guilt. And of course, the lack that comes with shame is, is that I am not worthy of being loved, that I am a mistake where guilt says I made a mistake. Shame is I am a mistake. And so these 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 that's a that's a very specific kind of passion that's tied to the angst of lack where the passion that's tied to longing is more about the soul's desire to be here, to be fully present, be embodied in this experience so it can be connected to the source and fully express itself without any interruption from the, uh, from the ego or any kind of interference from the ego. Uh, two big different ways to look at passion and two very important ways to be clear is, is that when I say suffer for yourself versus suffer with yourself, I'm literally meaning that uh, suffering for means you are passionate about lack. Suffer with means you are passionate about longing. And you can't get to the repair of longing until you fix the lacking. And that's a real imp important piece. And so, uh, uh, and, and so what's happening in the spiritual movement around the country is, is that, uh, and you've talked about it, you've called it spiritual bypassing. People are trying to go around the human ego to go straight to repairing the longing. Mm, yeah. yeah. Rather than repairing the lack. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I wish it was as simple as me looking at people and saying you lack nothing, that yeah. you are perfect by design, uh, that you are love worthy. But if it was that easy, I'd, you know, I'd be a trillionaire. It isn't that easy. These mm -hmm. are wounds to the ego. They are bumps and bruises to this inner self. Uh, and they are imprints and indentations uh, on the surface of the soul. So the words, mm -hmm. they are, they, they reside in the unconscious. They are not there. You can't see them with your naked eye, but they are there. And, and I can see them and the work that I do, I can see them. And so, so I, I, I hope that's kind of makes some of the earlier stuff I said, make more sense. This is it. We throw around the word suffering this and suffering that the word is passion. What are you passionate about? <laughs> are you passionate about the lack or are you passionate about the longing and uh, or are you both, which is totally possible? I would imagine that many of us are both. And there's no way around that passion. That's really what the, it means to be here, to be in this experience is to have that passion. And so the, the longing is for love, truth and freedom. The lacking is to be undivided, to be whole. Thank you for being a part of The Soul's Intent with author, psychologist, and spiritual teacher, Ernie Vecchio. This is the show that can open your mind to things you never thought possible. While problems manifest psycho-spiritually, on a most essential level, there exists an energy component that provides the instructions for these fields to enter awareness. And The Soul's Intent is here to help you learn what these instructions are. Join us each week to learn how there is a physical place of love, truth, and freedom, and how in an instant learn that moving to such a place is actually a choice.